Welcome to the Smart Wills podcast series. In this series, we'll review important financial tasks to cover during this extraordinary period of uncertainty, such as who needs a will and why, understanding the difference between estate planning and probate planning, and looking at estate administration tax and more. Hi, I'm your host, Stephanie Bacciolino, the founder of BizAngle Media, which helps businesses and people tell their story via videos, podcasts, and content with a journalist's eye. Using my skills honed at Bloomberg News, the Globe and Mail, AP, and AFP, I help connect the dots to bring the full picture into view. And what a view we are all having right now with this unexpected global pandemic. It has touched every aspect of our lives, from the way we work to how we shop for groceries at stores. It's a time when we are seeking ways to take stock of our lives and to prepare for further uncertainty. At this moment, it's more important than ever to plan for yourself and your business, including making a will or updating one. Here with me to explore this is Peter Welsh, a top-level business lawyer with a depth of experience that stretches 40 years in corporate and commercial law. He's worked with some of Canada's largest financial institutions, such as RBC and Cadillac Fairview, as well as other publicly traded firms. He's also seasoned and passionate about assisting small to mid-sized companies, as well as entrepreneurs and individuals. Peter offers the Smart Will services to ease the planning process for businesses and individuals, helping them protect the money they've worked so hard to earn. The name builds on the goal-setting SMART approach that stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Realistic, and Timely Goals. Well, there's no better time to delve into this. So let's get Peter's insights. Welcome, Peter. Well, nice to meet you, Stephanie, and thank you for having me today. There's never been a better time than in this pandemic era to be thinking about our futures and what we want to do should we end up having a catastrophe affect us as well. There's a misconception. It seems that when we speak of the word estate planning, many people think that that is something for the very wealthy. Oh, so untrue. In fact, even as little as a bank account or a credit card or a password to your cell phone become problems in the event of untimely death. Oftentimes they cannot be transferred or gotten into by anybody Think in terms of a safety deposit box even, cannot be opened. So if you are ever thinking about what you should be doing, please don't think in terms of estate planning as something only for the wealthy. It's also for the persons who have even the smallest of assets. So what are the key financial tasks to tackle during this period of uncertainty that's expected to go on for quite some time? Well, let me think of five in order. First off, you should be thinking constantly about your beneficiaries, who you might want to have, whatever it is that you want them to have, when, thinking in terms of age, and how, and where the assets are that you might want your beneficiaries to receive. So not only is it a question of who the beneficiaries should be, but what they are to receive. Secondly, you should be in, uh, thinking about your insurers and insurance policies. Oftentimes, a person has an insurance policy and no one else knows about it. Then we need to think about powers of attorney. Actually, it's odd that dying is not as bad as not having a power of attorney before death. <laughs> wow, that, I didn't realize that. 
So in the event of a person suffering a car accident and being incapacitated, they cannot write a will. And an incapacity to communicate means you can't even tell anybody what it is that you want done with your assets. That's with respect to property. Then a power of attorney for personal care also assists in determining what level of services a person might wish to have in the event that they are unable to speak for themselves. The next is the issue that I mentioned earlier about safety deposit boxes and in particular their contents. But you should be reviewing your safety deposit box and its contents and keep a list. And lastly is updating your wills. We don't do wills without doing powers of attorney. Wills only affect the interests of the deceased upon death. Powers of attorney cease to exist enforcement upon death. So it's before death and after death. So let's get into some of the specifics of, of each of these five points. Why is it important to check on your beneficiaries? Well, uh, approximately every three to five years, events happen within families that affect what a person may wish to do with his assets. An example would be the development of a special needs child or a separation or divorce of someone in the family. So checking on your beneficiaries is important. Here's a classic example. If a married person dies during a period of separation, his has an absolute right to at least half of his estate, even though he is separated from his wife and may have moved on to a new mate. In the event of divorce, uh, a similar circumstance can occur. So if the deceased, the father, for example, wishes his children to receive significant proceeds, but he doesn't cut his separated spouse out of his estate, his spouse is going to end up having an interest. Beneficiaries and the interests of beneficiaries change as well. Some children may do quite well. Other children may have greater needs. So you may skew your interest for your children differently. And you can do that by way of a will. You can't do it if you die without a will. And that's very interesting. The needs of people change. So it's very good to reflect on those and to look back and see if what your if you do have a will, what it has and if you need to update it. Yes, exactly. And that is quite right. So next up is, you said, update insurers. Can you go into a little bit of detail about that? Surely. Um, it would not be unusual for a person to purchase an insurance policy and inadvertently list his estate to be the beneficiary of the insurance policy. By doing that alone, the entire proceeds of that insurance policy are going to be taxable at the date of the person's death. It's paid into the estate of the deceased and probate fees are payable upon it. If the intention at the time of acquiring the insurance policy was to have the person's spouse receive the benefits, simply designate the spouse in the insurance policy. That means upon death, the policy proceeds are paid directly to the spouse with no tax. The same applies to things like pension plans and um, even such things as a tax-free savings account in the case of in life insurance, the probability of learning about the insurance policy is an issue, whereas a bank account is more likely to be known about within weeks or a short period of time following death. So you need to be sure that you update your 
beneficiaries on your insurance policy. How would they go about updating this? Generally speaking, wills and powers of attorney are good for about three to five years. And if you uh, consider that well, a term life insurance policy has a characteristic bump of premium about every five years, then that's the trigger point for you to be saying, oh, the insurance policy, in I should be thinking about my wills once again, who my beneficiaries are. There's also a consideration of who it is that's going to be administering your estate. It isn't satisfactory to designate somebody in a 1990 will, and you find out in 2020 that not only is the estate trustee dead, but so too are the alternatives all deceased. And now you're back into a situation of having to make a court application. So use the bumping of insurance premiums as the trigger point to rethink your wills. So circumstances change and you need to adjust. That makes a lot of sense. It's a good time right now to to take a look at these, especially with all the changes that are happening so fast these days. You mentioned powers of attorney. So tell me a little bit about them and why they're so important in wills. I reiterate that there are two powers of attorney allowed in the province of Ontario. One is called a power of attorney for personal care. You designate someone to speak for you relative to your personal care, which can be hospitalization. It could be retirement or nursing home requirements or hospice. The other power of attorney is for property, and that allows a person to administer literally your property whether it's your financial circumstances or events relating to your assets at the time when you are unable to do so. Uh, I might offer that a power of attorney for property is effective the moment that it is signed, whereas a power of attorney for personal care is relied upon when you cannot speak for yourself. Now, we never do a will or wills without doing powers of attorney. I mentioned that Powers of attorney cease to be enforceable upon death when the will kicks in and vice versa. So uh, you can change your will uh, every three to five years. When circumstances change, you should be looking at your powers of attorney at the same time. Always have a backup person or two on your powers of attorney and on your will. You never know what might happen to your preferred number one person So that's looking at some of the changes to the people who are involved in estate planning and will. Let's go back to what you said about the safety deposit boxes. What do people need to know about them? Oftentimes a person keeps in his or her safety deposit box precious documents, papers, sometimes money, jewelry, photos, family heirlooms, a number of items that are really important to the individual. And the access to that safety deposit box while a person is alive can be granted to another person by way of a power of attorney or the bank also where the safety deposit box is held also has its own forms to allow someone else access. But upon a person's death, the access right ceases. There's nobody who's allowed into the safety deposit box without authority, obviously, the bank has a concern about thievery or someone getting access to somebody else's assets. The problem first off is we oftentimes don't know an individual has a safety deposit box. Even if we did know that he does have a safety deposit box, getting access upon his death 
is almost impossible without court authorization. So you want to leave clear instructions to your executor or your heirs or the attorneys of the existence of your safety deposit box and preferably uh, an updated list of contents. These should be updated on an annual basis, not that three to five year basis, annual basis. And oftentimes uh, where the keys are would be a really good thing to leave as a message to somebody. Yeah, sometimes we can't find those keys of, uh, of our car, let alone the safety deposit box. But is it also important to outline who it should go to if like it's a family heirloom? Well, this is an interesting concept. Um, if you know what is in it, it's a lot easier to set out who gets what out of the safety deposit box. If it's not taken care of, that is, if the safety deposit box contents are not considered and they're not designated to someone and people forget where the safety deposit box is or never knew where it was, the contents will eventually be turned over to the government after the safety deposit box is drilled open. So we want to avoid all of that. So let's talk about why updating your will is important, and especially at this time period. Well, the anomaly that I see is persons spend their entire life generating whatever they can for their family, you know, creating wealth or assets and managing their savings such that they can pass it on to someone. But the majority of people forget about the tail end. They don't consider what happens if they die. And all of that wealth and savings and whatever they had set aside that they might have wanted to go in to certain people uh, will first off be attacked for taxes and subject to probate fees, particularly if there is no will at all, that in the absence of a will, it isn't you who make the decision who gets what. It's set out in the provincial statutes who receives your assets. So to not have a will is a very, very foolish thing. After spending years working to create something that you want to pass on, and then you drop it into the government's hands or a court to decide. First off, have a will, and then update it every three to five years. So right now is an ideal time to kind of take a look at this, especially while we're taking stock of so many things in our lives. Can people update their wills on their own? In Ontario, and that's not true in all jurisdictions, there only are two types of wills. One is a totally handwritten will top to bottom, in the person's own handwriting, no typing. The second and only other type of will is one which is typewritten. It must have two witnesses who cannot be mentioned in the body of the will, cannot be a spouse of anybody mentioned in the will, must be totally independent persons. Now, to answer the question about updating, a holograph will can be updated by handwriting what's called a codicil, which is an amendment or an extension. And it's dated. In the case of a typewritten will, again, you can do a handwritten amendment after the date of the will, or alternatively, you can have it typewritten. So those are the two choices. The likelihood of making a mistake when you're doing your own will, when it's in handwriting, is huge. It's just almost a certainty that there will be a deficiency or a void somehow in the handwritten will. To do a proper job on preparing a will, 
you do need legal, if not financial advice. So people can do it, but it's probably fraught with a lot of mistakes that you definitely want to consult with other people, with legal and financial advisors to to cover your bases. This is really important. Suppose that you have a perfectly prepared either holograph will or perfectly prepared typewritten will with legal advice, and you prepare an amendment to it, and you screw up the amendment, you've now invalidated the will. Now you have no will. We suggest, look, why don't we just simply do a new will? It doesn't cost much more to do a new will from an amendment, and the likelihood of doing it without an error is so much higher. And I think it comes down to Really, when you're making a will, you could do the handwritten holograph or typewritten, but what protects your most important assets, your family and what they receive after your death is something that stands up. I just want to reiterate, what we do is broken into three parts. Estate planning is for everybody and everybody should have thought about who's going to get what and how it's going to be done. The second part we do is probate planning, which is avoidance of as much tax or governmental intervention in the pursuit of achieving your first goal. The documentation which gets you there are the powers of attorney and the wills. So if your objective is to do estate planning and have something go to someone, why would you not do probate planning to get it to them without payment of taxes that are unnecessary? And thirdly, be sure that it actually occurs by doing wills and powers of attorney. It makes no sense to do the thought process of I want something to go to someone and then do nothing about it. Thank you, Peter, for this great and instructive advice in these uncertain times. Tell us how people can reach you and how you'd like to help them prepare for the unexpected. Well, thanks for asking. Uh, We can be reached at smartwills.ca. And my email address is peter at smartwills.ca. It's Peter Welsh. And I can be reached at the phone as well at 905-337-3121. And right now we're offering a free 30-minute session with me, either by telephone or personal attendance, uh, to review your existing wills or discuss any potential wills and powers of attorney that you might wish us to help you with. Thanks again, Peter. And thank you to our listeners. Check out the rest of the Smart Wills podcast series available at smartwills.ca.